0: Hello, I'm Peter Linder from Ericsson in North America, and I believe 5G will change the world in a material way, and that's why I'm here to talk about that today.
1: My name's Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World? This is a very first episode of a new podcast I'm trying to get going, and we've got an excellent guest in Mr. Peter Linder today. So Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to answer this important question, and uh, You know, as we kind of explore this together, I thought a good place to start would be something that you published in a medium last year. That piece was titled, How 5G Technology Will Impact and Change Our Lives. So very much uh, in keeping with the theme of our program today, I pulled out a, a particular part of that medium piece that really struck me, and it was you describing previous generations of mobile networks and the impacts that they've had. And use this very uh, precise phrasing. You say that each generation has shrunk the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that?
0: Yeah, I think it's. I've found this like when you're talking about five G, it's very easy to get get stuck on either the the point that okay, I know what it is. It's four G it's a little bit faster, and you think that's not really a big difference from what we had before, or you're at the other end, you're thinking about the remote surgery and the doctor is in Boston and the patient is in Nigeria and everything is ultra super futuristic. But to get down and trying to see what are examples, like if we don't can prove exactly where 5G is going, perhaps we can look back and say what have happened with each and every generation shift and articulate that to people and saying that, well, what do you think is going on right now? It's a bigger or smaller shift. What I saw that when I first was exposed to first generation mobile telephony was when it was like a suitcase kind of thing that was sitting installed in a car. And uh, I was working as an inside salesperson back then. And the difference from like six salespeople, everybody trying to call in the orders uh, between eight and nine in the morning from the hotel where they were calling in yesterday's orders versus when they got the mobile phone. As soon as they get out from the customer, whether it was 10 o'clock, two o'clock, they call in the orders immediately and we can normally ship the next day. So I think for me, 1G was very much about shrinking the distance between the salespersons and, their, and the office so we can execute orders quicker. If we then move to 2G, then I think it was very much about getting the, uh, the phone into everybody's pocket. So. Um, having people agreeing on okay when should we meet yeah meet seven ish and we will we'll text each other when we get closer so there was i think having the phone with you the whole time and becoming an everyday thing not only a salesperson thing and being able to these messages so i start to see at that point in time the the everybody started to expect answers to questions immediately so if someone was sitting in a meeting they sent a message or they sent a, a mail and expected responses immediately. Um, If we then go to 3G, like in the back end of the 2G days, then people had, if you're in a global position, you perhaps carry three different mobile phones for different regions. So 3G for me was very much shrinking the world so that we could talk and use a phone wherever you were going in the world. Same phone working in Japan, Europe and and the United States. Uh, And also we we brought other things into that. We were we were shrinking the uh, the Walkman, so it went into your phone. We were shrinking the camera, so it went into in, into your phone. So there was a number it became a more versatile device. And then, I think four G. I remember when we were planning for four G, we were expecting it to be a big boom for laptops, and we didn't really see in the beginning how phenomenal potential there was for the smartphone. But with the smartphone and all the different apps on the smartphone, uh, we were shrinking the uh, the distance to people for like marketing new kind of services and and, and things and even things like we take for granted today uber airbnb facebook and social media a lot of these kind of things barely existed before that so i've, I've seen a lot of these i look at a lot of these when see how how the world has been shrinking and then looking at what way can we expect 5g to shrink the world where we both have the aspects of Hey, uh, latency is going to be a lot lot less in the network. And edge computing is going to move uh, Alexa and Siri a lot closer to us. We don't have these kind of delays in in the network. I think we're going to see that. Okay, that's why we shouldn't say that. (laughs) Um, Sounds
1: like Alexa is already at the edge, Peter.
0: Alexa, she is already at the edge here. Uh, (laughs) So, No, but I I think also the fact that we can measure more of what's going on, uh, like understanding more about our customers in real time uh, and being able to take decisions more in in real time. So what we think is fast today, I think it's going to be uh, even faster tomorrow. And the importance of fast is, I think, is obvious days like this.
1: You know, that's how I like to think about 5G and and edge computing. And at that intersection is where you see all these real-time applications. So you gave us a a nice sort of description of of 1G to 4G. So now let's talk about where we are today with 5G and where we expect to be in the coming years. So, you know, I posed the question, will 5G change the world? Well, from my perspective right now, I have some 5G devices, and when I'm able to use those, where I see the biggest benefit is in file sharing and then in video downloads. Um, is that world changing? Not at all. It's very convenient for me, but I do think that the the world changing aspects of this are what we'll see in the coming years. So Peter, maybe yeah. you can talk to me a little bit about your expectations for commercial 5g in 2020. And then yeah. beyond that as release 16 and release 17 get finalized and we start to see that technology adopted in real networks
0: yeah no, I, I think when, when i look at 5g i, I try to box things in uh, in six six different boxes i think at the bottom we have a foundation which is very much about we started as mobile broadband what every person gets into their smartphone and, their, and, and that those data capabilities and fixed wireless access so as a complement but a different way of doing fixed broadband services. Where I see 5G is coming into the picture is the fact that where it's starting is in these two foundation applications uh, where we're evolving from something that we know fairly well and we make it better. So I think that when it comes to what what consumers will see first is for the enhanced mobile broadband, they will get the 5G fo- phone as the first 5G device they're going to have. They're going to see differences regarding receiving video, especially in crowded areas. They're going to be able to do mobile gaming and uh, also preparedness to support AR and VR, AR applications in a a better way than we perhaps can do with 4G. On the fixed wireless side, I think that still remains to be seen a little bit exactly where it's going. But the, the opportunity that I see is to go with 5G fixed wireless in the areas where you cannot either don't have time or it's difficult to go with uh, fiber so essentially bridging the, uh, the not the digital divide but the fiber broadband divide and go outside those areas where fiber doesn't exist or or will reach in the in, in the near future and i think we're gonna see i see a lot of potential for the smartphones and that's where it's going to start but i also think that the mobile pocket routers will be interesting in the first phases here because I have two phones, I have a number of other devices which are uh, either have 4G in them or just have Wi-Fi. And I think I soon want to have the, the 5G experience to all of those devices. And I think that is, that is feasible. Um, I think that the, um, what we expect in, in 2020, it's very much, five, we, but to some extent we're spoiled with 4G because 4G is everywhere, it's like, sunlight it's everywhere on the outside as soon as the sun is up and it even goes through windows and walls to well not walls but windows at least so, so it's lit up on the inside when there's um, things going on on the outside 5g will be a little bit different so i think here we'll see a phase during this year when people will learn these different five flavors of 5g 5g that reach very far 5g provide great capacity in urban areas and 5g which we see more or less in zones and developing. So I, I think that the uh, what what would be the name of the game for 5G in the early stage it will be to enhance things that we already know very well and then the larger opportunity regarding IoT, a couple of different cellular IoT segments are coming further down the road.
1: That's the part that I'm really interested in is the 5G as an enabler of industrial and enterprise transformation. And as you said, IoT is a big part of that. So, you know, massive IoT, huge number of devices. And then I think the other piece is ultra reliable, low latency communications. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about how Ericsson approaches developing solutions that are very much under the umbrella of five G, but are tailored for particular high value industries, mining, logistics, shipping, and so forth. That it would seem to me that that's very much a process of of co creation as you reach out to these industries and collaborate to find out what their problems are, and then work through how five G could perhaps address those problems.
0: Yes, no, but it's. I think this is a super exciting area. We, uh I think we have we have done a couple of things. We have tried to. Put together different kinds of frameworks so we can have conversations both with uh, communication service providers, mobile network operators, as well as enterprise customers. So, so things like simple things, dividing the IoT segment in four different blocks: one for massive IoT, everything small and hardly any traffic; broadband IoT, which is pretty much. I think about it as my smartwatch today, it's like can use the existing 4G or 5G technologies but putting into a different device than a, than the a, uh, smartphone, the critical IoT which is very much what we defined a lot of the standards around and was coming now released 16 and 17 and then the industry automation IoT which is truly industry applications. So I think we have laid the foundation we have created a framework for having these kind of conversations and we started to see a lot of the things that we have been doing in this area goes back 10 years ago when we talked about the network society and for 50 billion connected devices Uh, i was out talking a lot about that in the and then in the beginning of the previous decade and a lot of industry started to think about hmm there's something going wrong in, on here that we should be should be part of, so I say over the last four or five years, we have identified intensified the conversations with different types of industries, and typically it's the process of, of navigating this is typically finding out someone that is strong in, a, in in an industry like an anchor anchor player in that ecosystem and starting is typically a conversation that's starting between Ericsson an operator in that uh, market where they have their headquarters and the uh, the anchor in a different industry and trying to answer jointly say hey what kind of problems do you have where the networks could make a difference trying to understand sequence those kind of problems as a kind of a time a little bit like laying out the curriculum at the university and say what should we do in the first year what do we do in the second year what do we do in the third year just can't do everything at the, at the same time Starting with a little bit easier things first and a little bit harder things down the road. And then it's very much a, a co creation place of bringing things from, from talking to, to actually doing, some, like, the same way the 5G was introduced for a communication service providers, you do a small lab test and then you expand it to a larger field trial and then you test out the business models and so on. And often this journey is about each and every industry finding. A way to to nail the first case and then scale it down the road so when I'm trying to often try to describe this process it's a little bit trying to imagine yourself as mr. MacDonald in 1947 putting up the first hamburger restaurant finding a good place where where will people want to have lunch or or dinner finding the good place to start and then being very meticulous in, in refining the, the key thing that will take, make it take off in the beginning. So making make, make your burgers to perfection because like without burgers, you can't really open a hamburger restaurant. And then realizing that you don't need to have everything when you open the doors. Perhaps it's good with burger, fries, and, and milkshake. And knowing that it's the burger that is the anchor, milkshake and, and fries are add-ons but that you can normally get off the ground and then you can scale that to other similar locations so if we fix it in in the 5g world if we fix it for one sports stadiums for then then it's well at least you can go 30 more for nfl and 26 or 25 or 26 whatever there is for hockey and basketball and then in the next wave once we are in there with 5G and understand what the base case are, we can start devolving and looking at the use cases that are coming down, down the road. So some, most, most use cases will be of the character, apple pie, nuggets, and, and coffee, the stuff that comes down the road. But initially we have to have a strong focus on what is it that will make the initial investment fly and whether it takes off and take off in the way so it can, it can be scaled to other similar locations.
1: Peter, you're a gifted analogist and uh, I know you're also a, a longtime race fan. So I want to maybe try something that blends the two together here a little bit. There's this common characterization of of 5G as a race, a race between countries, a race between operators, a race between vendors and so forth. Yep. So think back to all the great drivers that you've followed over the course of of your fandom of racing. What are some of the traits that made those drivers great and what is the analog for 5G success? What are some of the traits that an operator can develop as internal best practice and follow to best position them to fully capture this market as the technology continues to
0: develop? I think it's a good question. Uh, especially as no, it was not, was not re- rehearsed. I think one of, the, uh, one of my favorite drivers as a kid was uh, Ronnie Peterson. Uh, most famous Formula One driver from Sweden ever uh, run up twice, and he had I think one of pretty much of his words of wisdom is the thing that he he lived by was when the flag drops the bullshit stops, and uh, what I think what that was was a meticulous focus on uh, on not caring so much of politics, just focusing on, g- on getting the job done. And I think the metaphor that I'm thinking about here, it's uh, typically any kind of car, motorcycle, race, and there's a qualifying session and then there's a race. And the qualifying session in the analogy here with 5G, that's about nailing the use cases or, or nailing the things that we, we can get like a university off the ground or a manufacturing plant off the ground or so on. What, what is it that we do first that we later should scale? The race itself is is the process of scaling. So when we got like five in, in a sports stadium and really figured out how to play there, then the race is about how to scaling that to to to, to other levels. Um, and uh, I think that having both these focus, we both need to qualify, get the get the things right from the beginning before we can go racing. And it's about scaling them up, uh, leading perhaps a little bit into, I think. It's a performance centric world. And I often describe the mobile networks a little bit as a race car uh, with three critical ingredients that you're building from here. It's uh, first is the engine um, in, a, in a car, the, the powerful piece. And that is perhaps the core network yeah, that we're, we see it today. Second is the tires to get the things in the ground. and That's typically the, uh, the back wall the network and the third one is the radios uh, and that is the um, how we get the performance and get the performance out to the air and that's in the racing world that's very much about what the aerodynamicists do to create uh, perfect aerodynamics uh, i think there's a, a, a quote that uh, as a ferrari state in 1960s aerodynamics is for people that don't know how to make engines and uh, I often use that to point out that well that was wrong then for race cars and I think it's very much wrong right now for 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 the 5G network because a lot of the action is about getting getting the radio performance max out on that one and making sure that the whole package work works great together.
1: Based on that motto, I I think I need to learn a lot more about Ronnie Peterson, because that's a great line. And Peter, I really appreciate you indulging me on that question and uh, sharing your perspective on how you see 5G changing the world. Thank you very much. Pleasure being on the show. 5G Changed the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean King. Thanks for listening.